0: Hello and welcome to the podcast for Cultural Reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. This is the show for culture makers where we help you think about the nature of human beings and what we do and make with the raw materials of creation and how those cultural activities reflect our relationship to God, to one another and to the world. I'm Ryan Aris and today it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Willem Awanale to the show. Willem is Fellow for Systematic Theology with the EICC. He's the author of of books and one of the founders of the Evangelical College of Our Sport in the Netherlands. He joins me by phone from his home there. Now prior to his work in theology, Willem earned doctoral degrees in philosophy and biology and he worked and wrote for several years as a research biologist. He's the author of the new book, Adam, Where Are You? and Why This Matters, a theological critique of the evolutionist hermeneutic. This is episode 10 of season one of the podcast for cultural reformation. Today we're going to be talking about Willem's book, and about the philosophical foundations of biology, and what's at stake when Christians abandon the doctrine of the historical human Adam made in the image of God. Okay, so uh, you've uh, you've got this this new book out, Adam, Where Are You?, a critique, or a theological critique of the evolutionist hermeneutic. I've, I found this book interesting for a number of reasons. Um... First of all, you started out your professional career as a biologist um, yes. but then you've uh you've transitioned on from there uh to pursue degrees in uh in theology and philosophy um, right. but what uh what what prompts a biologist to uh to go into a field that uh, that seems so uh so far away from biology
1: Yes, yeah, that's right well let me begin with saying that uh, I have been interested in theology all my life. The reason that I did not study theology right away is that I grew up in brethren circles where we had no uh, regular pastors and so on. Nobody studied theology, but we did study our Bibles very, very well. Uh, So that much, much later, when I was rather free from that background, then the idea of uh, getting my PhD in theology came up again. And uh, so, in South Africa, I managed to get that uh, degree in 1993, in Bloemfontein. My story with philosophy is a little bit different, has little to do with evolution or so, but rather with my theoretical mindset. I was doing so many experiments in biology that hardly anyone in the world knew about or could understand. In the end, there were only five people left, perhaps, in the whole world with whom I could communicate what I was doing. Um, <laughs> this is not my nature. Um, I'm, I, I would rather not be a specialist, but more a generalist. Moreover, I became interested more and more in the philosophical background of biology, of natural sciences in general. What is the kind of thing that I'm doing? So I began following courses in philosophy. And, the well, this grew up in, into another project. Uh, And in 1986, I got my PhD in philosophy at the Free university in Amsterdam. Uh, I I suppose that evolutionary questions played some role at the background, but it was mainly a a theoretical interest in the backgrounds, in the foundations of the natural sciences and of science in general. Actually, that was a great help because later on, I applied those same things that I had learned also in my analysis of theology. So my PhD in theology was, uh, at least half of it, my dissertation was on the external prodigomena, as we call it, of theology. What is the philosophical background of theology? Said exactly the same question as I had asked as to uh, uh, biology. But in the end, of course, it was all very useful because when it comes to evolutionary problems, then there is the biological dimension, but also the philosophical one. It's not a battle between faith and science. It's a battle between two kinds of faith and two kinds of science, which is a very different approach. Right. And, uh, well, theology came along with that as well. So uh, that's why I ended up with those three PhDs.
0: That's, uh, wow. So what, and and this book, Adam, Where Are You?, the subtitle is A Theological Evaluation of an of an evolutionist hermeneutic, for for those of us who uh, who might not have gone to uh, study theology formally, what is what is a hermeneutic?
1: Hermeneutic is the uh, science uh, that is occupied with the questions: Why do we uh, explain a text like this? What are the rules for that? So you have exegesis, which is the explanation interpretation of the text. But this is something that is behind exegesis. It's it, it's asking again the basic questions: Why do we do it the way we do it? What are the rules, and who makes up those rules, and who determines what are good rules? So um, hermeneutics is always at the background of all uh, systematic theological issues where people uh, fight about certain things and discover: Hey, we 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 use different rules apparently in approaching the Bible and. Uh, I mean, you to the analysis of those different rules. Right. And uh, let me add to the subtitle this. My book is it's not a biological book. Um, right. It's a long time ago that I started biology, and uh, I, I would leave that to other people. Although I have an important chapter on the biological aspects, but then especially again the philosophical aspects of this uh, of this biology, evolutionary biology, but the book is explicitly a theological book. So it asks it asks the question: What happens if someone accepts the evolutionary theory, and what what consequences does it have for his theology, or uh, doesn't have doesn't it have that much consequences? Uh, is it not a serious matter, or is it, as I defend, a very serious matter? So many things are then going going astray that it's worth while to and an, an, analyze that, and that's what I'm trying to do in this book.
0: Right, I I, uh, I got that actually. I really uh, I really appreciated that. And I mean, you've got uh, you've got three three doctorates. I don't have I don't have degrees in any of those fields. But not not only can I track uh, with this book. Um, i can see exactly as you were explaining um about uh, about the hermeneutic sort of how the uh, how the considerations and the implications have a way or have an impact on how i understand the whole bible right and uh that's what it is yeah and i i know that uh the, a lot of uh, what or especially when you're coming from from a sort of scientific apologetical uh perspective there's this a common technique uh on both sides of the d- debate to uh to bring in sort of unique uh sort of natural phenomena examples like you know the circulatory system of a bird or a black hole or something like that but there's uh, there's you're not trying to give isolated examples you're trying to get at get at the whole picture and what this means for the way that uh, the way that we understand sort of some of those bedrock questions of life
1: Exactly, exactly. And let me add to this, you know, when you look at the title of the book, Adam, Where Are You?, and uh, people find out that this is about the historical character of Adam, or not historical, they might say, well, what does it matter? You know, take a a figure like Job in the Bible. Whether he really lived or not, actually does not add very much to the contents of the book. It's, It's of a literary character it has an important theology, but the existence or non-existence of this figure, Job, actually is secondary. Right. Uh, I do believe that he really lived, but it's not it's not essential. But with Adam, it's very, very different. We're dealing here with issues of origins, and those issues play a major role also in New Testament theology. It's not only the case in the letters of Paul, of course, Romans 5, 1 Corinthians 15, First Timothy 2 are a few passages that come to mind. Yep. And you see there that the historical Adam plays an essential role. If there is no historical Adam, if there's not an historical fall, then we, you put uh, the, re, the redemptive work of Christ in jeopardy. And so that's, that is a very serious matter. So the book is not just about whether Adam really lived or not. It is about the essentials of... Uh, of, especially of soteriology, another difficult word meaning the doctrine of salvation.
0: A common theme that you're, you're on about, it's not in the title, but it's all through the book, is uh, this, uh, this acronym AEH, or the doctrine of uh, Adam as an evolved hominid. And uh, and you write that uh, that AEH, this doctrine is one of the greatest dangers threatening Orthodox Christianity and biblical theology today.
1: Right. Can you just you know, uh, In earlier days, we had to do with what we called liberal theologians, and they were far easier to deal with because, you know, they denied the resurrection of Christ and they denied all the vital elements of our Christian faith. But now, nowadays, we have to do with uh, authors, both on your side of the ocean and on my, my side, um, who say, no, 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 we are Orthodox Christians, we believe in the resurrection, we believe in the uh, atoning, the death of Christ, etc. But we think that it is not essential that you also believe that Adam was created separately by God and that there was such an event as a historical fall, etc. There we have to accept what science tells us, because science has made it pretty sure that there was an evolution, etc. So the fight now is far more complicated, because these people also get very easily uh, upset and offended when you tell them, uh, this is heresy what you are doing, you know, because they are so Orthodox Christians. And I find this very awkward and very unpleasant, I must confess, because I do not want to doubt the honesty of those those people, but what they are doing is is a much greater disaster than liberal theology ever was.
0: So where, where did this uh, this view of Adam as an evolved hominid, where did it come from and why is it to, what, is it becoming popular uh, sort of in recent years or has it always sort of been there under the surface?
1: Well, um, of course it was always there, but then as I said, in liberal theology. Right. Because, you know, this is the power of science. Science has shown that, science has proven that, well, science is nothing of the kind. Science cannot... Prove anything that goes beyond the obvious, uh, and we have to be very careful. That's just why I studied you know the philosophy of science. What, what kind of thing is this? Right, and uh, that's why I think it's so essential. So, what the kind of is this? This kind of evolutionary theory. Is there a difference between evolutionary theory and evolutionism? Because isms always have to do with I- ideology and with philosophy. So, what are these proofs, etc.? now if you tell people long enough that evolution is is a proven fact uh, over the decades and so on and so on then people in the end say well you know we we don't want to to look stupid in the eyes of other people if this is really what we have to believe then for heaven's sake let's try to find a way in which we can accommodate both orthodox Christianity and the results of modern science. And they think they have managed to do so, and I think what they did was disastrous. That's the difference. Right. But yeah. this, is, this is the power of, that science has in our culture, and of course already since the 19th century. Science has shown that. We hear this all the time. And uh, when Christians start to believe that, well, the first who believed it, I, I, I repeat myself, were the liberals. But now we get more yeah. of those Christians beginning to believe it, and uh, this makes our task much more difficult.
0: Yeah, you make uh, you make a point here that uh, with this issue, uh, for the first time, theologians are allowing their conclusions to be drastically modified by extra-biblical and even anti-biblical or anti-Christian ideas.
1: Exactly, exactly. But that is not the way they would put it. Of course, you know, it make it so complicated again. They say, we are not being influenced by. Uh, Ideas foreign to the Bible, this has nothing to do with ideas. These are solid scientific facts. And they are neutral and they are objective. They have nothing to do with ideas or ideology. We only have to reckon with the facts. And the facts are general evolution, you know. And they like to uh, quote the example of Galileo. And in those days, you know, the Christians also thought that the sun was turning around the earth. Uh, rotating around the Earth instead of the other way around. Right. And now we all know that they were wrong. And now, now this time we have to do the same thing. Uh, we have to believe again the facts of science. But I don't see this is very, very different from the question of rotation of Sun and Earth. Whether the Sun is rotating around the Earth or the other way around, again is is not relevant at all. No issue whatever in the Christian faith is affected by this matter of, of the rotation of the celestial bodies. But with Adam and with the historical fall, it, it's very, very different. If Adam is an evolved hominid, then we are in big, big trouble. Now this is what all those people like Peter Enns and Dennis Alexander and all those others and uh, Denis Lamoureux, I uh, don't want to have true, don't want to see as true. And uh, I'm not, I repeat, I, I don't want to doubt their sincerity or their motives. That's not the point at all. I'm right. only fighting that what they say, what they write, and not what they think in their heart of hearts.
0: Now, that uh, that being said, is there is there an ethical component to doing biology? Is there an, an ethical component to uh, to scientific investigation?
1: Yeah, but then in a very, very different domain. For instance... If you're going to apply the results of your medical and then especially uh, biological and especially medical uh, experiments on people, then you get to have to do with all kinds of, of, of ethical uh, considerations. Sure, but in sure. normal biological research, I'm not talking about medical application, then the ethics is nothing more than the ethics that we find in all science and in all human behavior be fair to the facts don't have your facts influenced by your ideology and i add at the same time that actually this is already mistaken because there are no such things as objective facts we also always look at the facts uh, through certain glasses and it is very ethical if you're conscious of those glasses and are responsible enough to account for them uh, but sh- this is as far as ethics go. Ethics plays a role much more in the application of biological research.
0: Well, okay. Um, you, uh, yeah, you, you, make another point here that uh, I, I, just found was really interesting, and I've, I've never heard it, to, heard it put in this way before. And I was just wondering whether you could say more about it. You write, uh, you write that theology is not Christian because it is about Christianity but when it is conducted by Christians, regenerate and living by the Spirit. And that uh, that's the same for biology or any other discipline. Yes. Uh, so can you, just, uh, you can just say, if you would just say more about a, uh, a Christian biology, for example, um, what, uh, yeah. what, what would characterize a Christian biology? It's so much
1: easier to speak about Christian theology. Everybody can uh, have an idea what, what is meant by it. Uh, And Christian biology sounds a little bit awkward, a little bit far-fetched. Right. Uh, You see, what is so important here is that you have first to give a little course on the philosophy of science. What kind of thing is science? Especially uh, this positivistic idea of science being neutral, objective, unprejudiced, etc. That is so old-fashioned. We now now know that we, as I just said, that we all look at the facts through certain glasses. That is. Uh, so, uh through a certain paradigm in which ideological elements play a great role. Now um if the, uh, uh, sorry I got lost now. Uh, repeat your question again.
0: Oh yeah, so just, the question was uh, was a oh, pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty a broad people, question.
1: Sorry. Yeah, sorry, yeah okay, Right. Well um well if this is true, if if we all look at the facts through certain glasses, then I'm not ashamed to say of my opponent, hey, wait a second, your glasses uh, have to do with humanism of the 19th and 20th century. I'm not ashamed to say that my glasses are of a Christian nature because there is no such thing as a neutral science. The moment you get rid of this idea of neutral science, then there is also room for a Christian way of doing science, a Christian approach to reality. And then I do not, for instance, then I would not, come up with uh, naturalism. Naturalism means that science supposedly has shown that the only thing that is there is what we can observe with our uh, senses and nothing else, and uh, there's no, not such a thing as the supernatural. Well, that is not a scientific statement at all. That's an ideological statement. It's not a religious statement. So we, as Christians, should not be ashamed to say, wait, wait a second, we are looking at things through different glasses than what you have on your uh, before your eyes. And uh, so this is, and especially in the Anglo-Saxon countries, I must say, as a European, um, the influence of positivism has been tremendous. And I noticed it in many Christian writers, also in theology, where we have this nonsense about neutral objective facts, Mm. Uh, the influence of secular uh, humanistic positivism has been so enormous that it is very, very difficult for people to take in the idea that facts are not neutral, objective, and that therefore, just as there's something like uh, Christian theology, there's also something like Christian biology. I say that with tongue in cheek, because yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not very keen on that term as such, because... It leads to a lot of uh, confusion, if you are not aware of what they're doing. But still, in principle, it's the same thing. I can do theology in a so-called neutral, uh, objective, unprejudiced way, which doesn't exist. So I'm, I'm cheating myself, I'm deceiving myself, and I can also do it from a Christian point of view. And that is the same, exactly the same, with all the disciplines,
0: including biology. So there's uh, the the only choice that we that we don't have, or the only decision that we can't make, is the decision to have to make no decision, or to have no perspective.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, there are many simple people in the world that do not think about all these things at all. So they have it they have it much easier than we have. They can choose not to think about them. Okay, but as soon as we begin <laughs> thinking about them, we must account for our starting points and our uh, uh, ideologies and religions and whatsoever and get rid of this uh, positivistic idea of neutral science. But, you know, there are many happy people in the world that are not plagued by all these kinds of issues.
0: Sure. I, I mentioned earlier that, uh, that I really enjoyed this book and I, I got a lot out of it. Um, but uh, just wondering if you can comment on who this book is for. Well, I'll tell you something, Um, I just read today
1: that this book by uh, Heisbert van der Brink, which is my uh, beloved opponent here in this country, uh, has been summarized by someone in 60 pages, because people complained that the book was uh, very difficult, and this is hardly avoidable. Uh, I have written a complicated book. My subtitle sure. of the book is rather complicated, just to tell people, hey, hey, wait a second, this is not going to be an easy book, not for between the sheets before you fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a complicated matter.
0: Yeah, usually a subtitle. Uh... will come up
1: with the idea to do the same thing and summarize the whole thing, sixty pages, so that uh, everybody can understand it. Sure. You know that uh, this is always. A difficult choice I can write in such a popular easy way that many more people can understand me but then all the critical people will
0: say well hey you step over the real issues too easily so I chose to write a complicated book nope fair enough no. okay well thank you very much the Pleasure. the book is Adam where are you a theological evaluation of the evolutionist hermeneutic and that uh, that's out in uh in Europe, in Dutch, and it's coming out this summer in uh in English here in uh in Canada in North America.
1: Yes. Just in case somebody might be interested, I'll uh, say the Dutch title, which is Adam waar Benje. That's for those who understand Dutch.
0: That wasn't so that wasn't so difficult.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I suppose it was not
0: hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast for cultural reformation please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast on itunes stitcher or google play music and leave us a rating or a review for more ezra institute resources please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca